friends and health masters family and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you guys had a blessed Father's Day. Had a great weekend. Got to spend a bunch of time with family and friends and enjoyed it. So hope you guys had a good uh, good weekend. You guys had fun. And uh, of course, if you guys need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com. Here on the website, the product of the week on sale right now, the B-Complex formula on Health Masters for 10% off. So take advantage of that right now if you want to grab a bottle of that while it's on sale for the next couple days and vote for what you want to see win coming up later on on Wednesday as well. looks like the EyeSight and the Ultimate Multiple Chewable are both going back and forth. So be sure to check that out. And uh, again, there's a lot of things. I've been reading some stuff last night and a lot of stuff that keeps popping up, and it's almost either – where they're trying to disclose things that are happening around the world very subtly or as a distraction. But at the same time, there's other things that get brought up that nobody ever really hears about. And what's interesting about it is I saw the um, article on Breitbart that popped up now. They actually got a hold of it about the story of the individual who had the Amazon Alexa and all these other accounts and is from Amazon and the Amazon driver allegedly heard a racial slur through the doorbell ring, and essentially this man's Amazon account was completely frozen. I was reading some more stuff on it, and because uh, like I told you, it wasn't really – it didn't really make any type of mainstream media at all. It still really hasn't. Breitbart picked it up, and a few other ones have picked it up now, and it's, that, that story was over, I think, two weeks ago. I just found it at the beginning of last week, and what's interesting about it is you know, people are actually starting to come to the realization. I was reading a bunch of the comments and looking at kind of stuff on it, and you know, people were making valid points. They were saying, listen, even if this guy made a racial slur on the doorbell ring, which he didn't because he wasn't even home, and his security camera footage showed that nobody was home, they said even if he did – what are we reaching to the point now where we're starting to say it's justifiable for independent private companies to shut down people's private items that they personally own in their house and essentially disconnect them from everything they have because they said something that somebody else doesn't like? Just a thought, not justifying anything. But saying, is that really to the point of where we're going? And, you know, I have talked to somebody a while back ago about the COVID vaccine injection, the, the shot schedule. And she was actually a, a nurse and she wasn't like really pro vaccine, but she was trying to justify why the rollout was so aggressive. And I asked her, so would you get shot? She said, yeah, I got the first two. And uh, she goes, but I didn't get any more. And so we kind of went into it. I said, well, why, you know, why is it that you didn't get any more? She goes, well, cause it didn't work. I said, well, yeah, that's kind of my point I'm getting at. And I said, it didn't stop transmission. It didn't stop infection. It just, Lowered symptoms, allegedly, is what they said, which we now know that was a whole lie, too. But then she was still trying to justify the rollout and be basically seeing if it was going to be effective. And I told her, I said, here's the $1 million question. I said, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, don't care. I'm going right down the middle with this. Oh, and a, a real true freedom question. At what point does the government have the right to tell you you have to have something experimental injected into your body for your safety? At what point does that become okay? And she goes, well, I don't really know. I never really thought about that. And I said, that's obvious. 
I said, you're talking out of both sides. You're pro this. You're not pro this. You've got pushed this, but didn't work. And I said, the whole premise I'm getting down to, vaccine work didn't work, and safety, efficacy, none of that's relevant in this question I'm asking. At what point does the government have the right to come in and start mandating and dictating you have to have things injected into your body that are experimental? I said, what happens if they come out with a new drug now? And they say, oh, this drug's going to prevent racism now. You have to be injected with it. Oh, this drug's going to make you so you're no longer transphobic. You have to be injected with it because it's for the betterment of society. At what degree is the line stopped? You should do no more. And so she kind of had this epiphany when I was talking to her about it. It was a really brief conversation. And that's exactly what I'm getting at with this topic here with Amazon. Is it now going to be the new normal when anybody makes a certain claim about you and anybody makes a comment and says, oh, no, so-and-so made a comment I don't like. Oh, well, you know what? Contact Tico. That's that's our electric company that we have down here in Central Florida. Contact Tico. They have to have their, their power shut off. They have to have an investigation now. They made, they, made a, they made a slur towards a Tico representative outside, so we're now going to cut their power off and cut their electric off. Is that is that where we're going to start justifying this now? Is that what is going to be the new normal? And this is one of the reasons why I have repeatedly told you guys Amazon has entirely too much control over the market sector. They are a full-blown monopoly, and for some odd reason, nobody seems to understand that definition. When you start dealing with a company that controls almost every aspect of online retail as far as from a domination standpoint, I have watched Amazon put out repeated companies over and over and over and over and over again with predatory pricing. Repeatedly. Done it. Scale them all the way down, reduce their margins to nothing, then the company goes bankrupt, and then somehow the product ends up on Amazon, but the company went bankrupt, and now Amazon owns the company. Watch all kinds of different sectors with this. And so that's why I've continually told people be very, very cautious what you're putting in your house that's recording you, <laughs> like all this stupid stuff that people buy and want to have it make their life easier. And secondly, how much degree of control you're allowing a company to exert over themselves or exert over you. With this. So again, that's why I saw an article on Breitbart. I thought it was interesting that they finally have covered it now. But again, nobody in mainstream media is wanting to cover this article at all because, again, it doesn't go along with the narrative of people being cautious in deciding what they actually want to do with Amazon. Also, too, in other news, this is you guys are going to find this one really interesting. Now, this is from a whistleblower, allegedly, that is bringing up the Ice Cube Observatory down in Antarctica. Now, he came out now, and he basically started to talk about this. This is on Health Impact News, and he worked for this uh, – for basically what's, it's called Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory. Now, I didn't even know much about this. I told you guys this is strange stuff, strange stuff down in Antarctica. You can look this up. It's even on Wikipedia. The Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory, it's a neutrino observatory constructed – at the Amston Scott South Pole substation in Antarctica, the project is recognized as a CERN experiment. It puts thousands of sensors located on the Antarctic ice distributed over cubic kilometers. Now, interesting, if you look this up and do any research into it, it has roughly 300 physicians that work down there, excuse me, physicists that work down there with 58 institutions from 14 different countries make up the Ice Cube Collaboration. The international team is responsible for scientific programming, and many of the collaborators contribute to design and construction of the detector. And they said this high-energy messengers provide information to probe the most violent astrophysical sources, events like uh, exploding stars, gamma ray bursts, and all types of other effects, including black holes and dark matter. 
Now, you can read some more in this because there's a whole – this thing goes really deep in what they're involved in down there. And this thing is buried beneath an extended depth of 2,500 meters under the ice. It took them years to construct this. They can only do it like four months out of the year when they could drill 24 hours a day. And what this guy said, this whistleblower, who used to be a contractor for Raytheon, said that what they've been doing down there with this platform is developing essentially energy-based weapons that can use, uh, uh, use earthquakes and completely and totally dominate and control the weather. He said, how do you develop technology that will transform aerospace and defense and control everything? You start with 59,000 engineers, 60,000 patents, 7.1 billion is first annual research bill, and develop funding with 13 technology roadmaps that reflect what our customers will need well into the future. Because then you add venture capitalist division that invest in companies, try new concepts in these areas with artificial intelligence, and this formula will be transferred, transformative technologies. And what he goes into detail, and I'll put the link on, you guys can read about all this. That essentially they're working on massive electronic warfare system for space, air, ground, sea, and undersea environments. And this was the CERN project that's been going down, down there for over 20 years. And I just thought it was interesting because I know a lot of you guys find Antarctica intriguing, as do I, considering the fact that nobody's allowed down there except for scientists. And it's allegedly to go monitor the migration habits of penguins. That's why we've got, you know, <laughs> almost 100 countries that have stake down there with bases all over Antarctica. But there's there's nothing to see down there whatsoever. It's 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 just an ice cube, and there's no reason to go down there unless you want to watch penguins on the very edge. Nothing to see here whatsoever because if you fly over Antarctica, uh, you'll be shot down immediately for your protection and safety because, of course, it's, it's always for your safety. So I'll put the link up there. You guys can read about this, about that, this ice cube uh, neutrino observatory. It's online. And what's interesting about it is, too, I was looking at it. It's basically... Basically, its primary funding comes out of the University of Wisconsin at Madison is the lead institute for responsible for the maintenance and operations of the detector. That's also another interesting one that that, that university be involved in that. So just something else to look up and uh, find very interesting about Antarctica. And also, too, in other news, this is something that I've always encouraged people to make sure you understand when you're realizing what this giant sector is as far as with this Planned Parenthood. You know, executives now have been shown working for Planned Parenthood among the highest paid in the United States for the non-for-profit sector, according to a report. This is why I've told you guys before, the whole aspect of abortion is big business. This is why it's been so difficult to stop this stuff. This is why the new big business model is now the gender transition therapy clinics for minors. That is the next big business model they're working on right now in order to maim and kill and destroy the younger generation again. They're finding that this is a multi-billion dollar industry being able to go in and get these children on cross-sex hormones when they're 12, 13 years old after they have them on puberty blockers and then transition them into the next phase of mutilation. This is why it's so important, again, to protect your children. But Planned Parenthood, this is interesting. The average leader of the Planned Parenthood, because they're all independent ones, the CEO of each Planned Parenthood, because they're all like an independent business, so to speak, non-for-profit. The average salary for the CEO went from 237000 in 2015 all the way to 317000 on average in 2020, with the highest one ranking in $616,000 per year. That's just the CEO. I think the average person the, the, they make in, the, in, the, in these positions is upwards of around $100,000 a year. Um, that shows you the amount of money that comes into these sectors because of what's going on with using the aborted fetal tissue and selling body parts. 
which they've blatantly been busted on doing repeated testing and research on this. And this is why I've always told you guys it's so crucial to understand what you're supporting and what you're going for. It's why I've had one of the biggest, biggest pet peeves of mine is the fact that the government funds Planned Parenthood through different types of grants, through taxpayer money, which just just don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there so you guys kind of understand where they're going and what they've been doing with this and why in the world you have nonprofits that are involved in abortion clinics to help out women's you know, health allegedly making upwards of over $600,000 a year at a nonprofit. Just something to throw out there. Also, too, one other story. This is interesting. Is this something that may start becoming – the new normal for gun shops, and I hope it's not. This is obviously a directed attack, and I'll give you guys my opinion on this and kind of what's starting to happen with it. Heavily armed agents from the ATF and IRS had a joint task force that raided a gun store in Great Falls, Montana last week, which was described by a local lawmaker as Soviet-style intimidation raids. You'll, this is interesting. When Tom Van Hoos, the owner of Highwood Creek Outfitters told the local media 20 heavily armed agents swarmed his gun shop on Wednesday morning, shut down his store, confiscated 13 years of 4473 forms, and copied the firearm acquisition and deposition book. They said that the reason for the raid is unclear. He believes it was part of a nationwide trend by Biden's ATF. He said the current administration seems bent on getting the guns out of the average American. They spoke to the truth about guns, stating the IRS had claimed he had underreported and failed to report millions of dollars in income. The shop owner denied these accusations. On Friday, Congress Matt Rosendahl wrote a letter to ATF and IRS commissioner asking for answers on this absolutely outrageous raid. And they said, I request the ATF and IRS cease conducting these Soviet-style intimidation raids. They're not going to listen to one thing this guy says in this letter. The first thing that needs to be done and thing that Congress needs to be doing repeatedly is filing resolution bills and filing basically bills to absolutely defund, massively defund IRS and ATF. What they're doing here, and this is just my opinion because we already knew that the IRS is going to start being used to go after businesses to try to go in and figure out anything they can to try to rip more money from the general population. The entire United States is becoming – I mean it's been insolvent. I mean, they just have to keep printing money hand over fist and taking on more debt. This happens very regularly in an out-of-control, tyrannical country when they're running out of cash. This happened in France after the United States Revolutionary War. France had put so much cash into that war and funded so much of it as far as at the very end that France was completely and totally insolvent. So what they had to start doing is they had to start increasing the tax rate on the general population. Then they had to start going the heavy-handed tax agents going in and essentially extorting people to try to take as much money as they could out of the general population to keep up with the French lavish lifestyle and all their ideas as far as they were running the country. This is what's starting to happen now here in the United States, and they're using ATF as the guess the main group to go into these gun stores now because a lot of these gun stores deal with a lot of cash when people are buying guns. They can do a lot of volume, and they can also do other things. But the thing about this is why in the world – this is the million-dollar question that everybody's requesting now. Why in the world did ATF need the 4473 forms for the last 13 years? IRS – First off, can't go back that far with an audit. Secondly, there's nothing financial on a 4473 form. And for you guys, reminder, 4473 form contains the individual's name, the serial number, and basically the firearm for the background check with their signature on it. 
That's all it is. It's for the the background check. There's no financial information on a 4473 form at all. All it has is the person's information and the firearm that they got the background check on for that the gun store is required by law to hold up to 20 years in paper forms in the event that ATF ever has to do an investigation on a theft or a violent crime. They can go back and do research on this gun. Why did ATF need 13 years of 4473 forms if IRS is simply there to do an audit saying that they basically have not been filing proper taxes? This, again, is, in my opinion, another way for ATF to slowly start building a national database. This is why I told you before, know your laws in your state, know what you're allowed to do legally, understand them, but always be very clear when you find those forms, if you're not buying it from a private party owner, you're not buying it from a friend or family member, you start filling out these 4473 forms, they will, and they have been building a database for years on this right now, so use discretion read between the lines, do what you need to do as far as having legally owned firearms in your state, but also to understand what happens when you start filling out these forms, you start putting your signature on them, and you start having any excuse they can now with the federal government to try to A, extort more money out of the population, and B, figure out who has weapons and who doesn't have weapons so they can have a list. Just thought I would throw that out there on this wild Monday morning. How are you doing today, Dad? Oh, doing good, Austin. Now, when, when you sign that form, that 4473 form at a gun store, and they send it, don't they send that to the FBI? Where does that go? Where, where does the investigation actually take place? That goes yeah. through the NICS system, NICS. It goes through the background database, and the FBI essentially does a, a quick background check. What they do is they have the form. They call in the form. They call in your information on the phone. It gets approved generally fairly quickly, at least down here like in the state of Florida and stuff. If you have concealed carry and you're buying a handgun, you don't even have to do any type of wait you generally go through the background check it's already been cleared and then that form stays in the possession of the gun owner store the the form is never sent off the form is kept and filed with the gun store and if the gun store ever gives up or relinquishes their firearm license then at that point they have to relinquish all of those forms and it basically either destroy them or atf basically has to be privy to them that's if they shut down and they give up their license but those forms are never sent off to anyone they're simply kept on file with the gun store the information is just called up over the phone or done online with the 4473 NICS background check. Well, you know what's so silly to me is that the NICS background check is a digital footprint. And that means that that form has been filed with the federal government and they gave you approval as far as having the gun purchase. So I don't know why in the world they want to take 4473 forms unless they want a person's hard signature. That's the only reason they would want that because otherwise, you know, they'd be able to, they can pull it all up online and print it all out if they want. That way it's already digitized. I, none of this makes any sense to me why they would take those forms unless it's just some type of, you know, let's go ahead and intimidate everybody by taking the 4473 forms. I mean, it doesn't make Correct. any sense because the forms have already been filed. They already, everybody knows you've got the gun. You've already signed the paper to it. You've already been approved to have the weapon purchased, and so now you own it, and they know that. So, I mean, so it's, it's kind of silly. It's kind of like a redundancy thing, almost repetitive, that they're coming in now and seizing these forms that they've already got copies of them from a digital footprint. So, I don't know. It's weird to me. I don't know. The whole thing's strange to me, and I mean, there's 20 agents coming in and raiding a gun store. That must have been a wild ride. I can't imagine what the customers must have thought when all that happened. That must have been that must have been I'd have been, it'd been interesting being in there to watch all that. I'd have, I'd have, of course I'd have had my camera out videotaping, and of course that would have probably been immediately stopped. But uh, it's it's strange because like you said, the ATF 
they're kind of a rogue agency. They've been around for a long, long time, and they kind of do whatever they want to do, including running guns to the Mexicans, including shooting people like you know, you know, you know, Randy Weaver and all the rest of that stuff, and you know, the Branch Davidians, and they were involved with all that. So it's a strange agency, and I agree with you. I believe it really needs to be defunded. Maybe not destroyed or completely taken down, but as far as making give it a massive defunding and rebooting and bringing a new leadership and management into it, and getting people to realize that they still work for the citizens of the United States of America and they're still answerable to our Constitution. And that's yep. the biggest problem that you get with these organizations is they start thinking that they're above the law themselves. I mean, you see that with the FBI and what they do and, and how they continue to you know to, to, to take people and, and and basically you know groom them. I mean, you know, we see, we see, you know, you look at the groom development that we see on Zero Hedge right now. The, the FBI groomed a developmentally challenged 16-year-old to become a terrorist, and then they arrested him. Earlier this month, the FBI announced the arrest of an 18-year-old Montero Ventura of Wakefield, Massachusetts, over allegations he provided financial support to ISIS. According to the DOG's press release, Ventura was indicted for knowingly concealing the source of material support for or resources that he intended to go to a foreign terrorist organization. Yet according to the government's own criminal complaint, Ventura never gave a dime to any terrorist groups, while the only terrorist he actually had any contact with was an undercover, undercover FBI agent who befriended him when he was 16 years old and convinced him to produce gift cards with small amounts of cash on them. The FBI agent told Ventura not to tell anyone about their intimate relationship online, including his family, according to The Intercept. Contrary to the sensational narrative fed to the news media of terrorist financing in the U.S., the charging documents show that Ventura gave an undercover FBI agent cards for a small amount of cash, sometimes $25, in an initial bid to travel to the Islamic State, the teenager balked, making up an excuse by the FBI's own account to explain why he did not want to go. When another opportunity to travel abroad arose, Ventura balked again, staying home in the evening, in, in, on the evening of a supposed flight instead of flying, traveling to the airport. By the time of the investigation was winding down, he appeared ready to turn in his purported ISIS contract, an FBI agent, to the FBI and the Intercept. What's more, Ventura's father, Paul, told the outlet that his son suffered from childhood developmental issues, which were so bad that he was forced to leave school due to constant bullying from other students. He was born prematurely. He had brain development issues. I had the school do a neurosurgery evaluation on him. They said his brain was underdeveloped, said Ventura. He was suffering endless bullying at school with other kids, taking food off his plates, tripping him in the hallway, humiliating him and laughing at him. In short, instead of an actual terrorist or terrorist adjacent, Ventura's case is yet another example of the FBI grooming a mentally unfit young man to commit a crime that would not have otherwise occurred. So this is ones who are protecting us? I mean, I mean it's, it's, just, it's, it's mind-boggling to me because, you know, we've talked about this so many times about how these people are doing this, and yet here's another perfect example of it. By the way, I had a really good article, uh, good, good information sent to me that I've posted from uh, Frederick, and uh, he sent me some stuff on detoxification from spike proteins. And he was talking about choline and about using butter and using you know, cholesterol and using eggs to help combat brain issues associated with the COVID shot. And you basically ending up you know, increasing these chemicals, these choline amounts in your body to help fight off spike proteins. So he said, if he goes, so Ted, you've been right all along. Healthy butter and, and colon birthright could be a poor man's remedy, including eggs, besides fasting to get lymphatic nodes activated in the keto state state. And he starts talking about that and how we have to eat eggs. And we know that, of course, that that's one of the reasons we believe they really went in and went after the chickens. Remember that last year when they were having all these chickens being killed it's because they didn't want you to produce eggs. And they ran eggs at $8 a dozen for organic eggs, which is ridiculous. So all of the stuff that we've talked about on the show, what we brought up as far as what was going on with the actual alternative treatment protocols associated with this spike protein damage – uh, seems to be coming to pass, including N-acetylcysteine, you know, including uh, you know, the nanotokinase, vitamin E, the HGH stimulate, all these things that keep blood flow going through the, 
body and keeping the body's cardiovascular system doing well. By the way, Jason uh, also sent me a letter. I'm reading a couple letters to you today. Jason sent me a really good letter this weekend, too, about the show on Friday. I've had so many compliments on the show on Friday. I just want to thank you guys for that. I mean, you know, Austin and I decided that we just had had enough and we wanted to have a, a positive show. And so that's why we decided to do that show on Friday. So if you've missed that show on Friday, we played it all weekend. We also played it for Sunday night. I pray that you listen to it. He goes, I, Jason said to me, he goes, I just listened to your Friday's episode and wanted to say how grateful I am once again for the time that both you and Austin put into the show. I do not have any contact information for Austin, but if you get the opportunity to let Austin know that Jason says you know, he, he liked the show. He goes, I really liked what Austin said about, on the joking around about divorce. My ex-wife used to do that all the time, and after 13 years of marriage, I divorced her. It was a very toxic relationship, and she was older, and when you truly love somebody, you don't talk about divorce. You don't even joke about separation. Austin was spot on. I used to tell my ex-wife all the time that in a relationship that the spouse comes first, and she always put the kids first. And you have spoken against this before, so that that is why I'm bringing it up. I felt alone, even though I felt right in hearing you in different episodes, Ted, about putting your spouse first, really affirmed that I was correct. I'm now obviously happily married with over four years with the correct person. Ted, you've been a huge blessing in my life, and listening to the show with you and Austin has been amazing. I was in Florida last week and tried to come by and see you. Your positivity and the things that you've talked about on the show made a huge impact on me. I pray blessings on my ex-wife. I pray blessings on everyone's life now. I never truly understood the power of prayer until I started listening to your show about a year and a half ago. So thank you, Jason. I, I, I'm, I'm, he's he's here for more accolades, and I won't read the rest of it. But the point is, you know, thank you. When you guys send me letters like this, it means it means everything. And then Ruth Ann sent me a really interesting article too about William Cooper. And and here's what she said: she wanted to correct something that I'd said about him being shot at a traffic stop. I said William Cooper suspected that he was going to be harmed, and he sent his wife and children away. He came home in the middle of the night. He was alone, and law enforcement lay in ambush for him. After he got out of his car and walked towards his house, they were surprised. They he, they surprised him. He did not know who they were, what was going on. It happened so fast, he began to run to his house for safety. They shot him multiple times in the back. He was unarmed and did not make any motion as if he was. He was just running, amazingly, disgustingly, just letting you know because you got it wrong. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read that from Ruth, and I just did because I want you guys to realize that there's some controversy here as far as how William Cooper died. This is her opinion on it. She may be right, but I've read different accounts of that. The point is he was shot and killed by police officers. That's a fact. So, Ruth, thanks for sending me that correction. I always tell you guys if I find something that I find interesting that you guys say that may not agree with what I said, you know, I'll read it. But the reality is I liked William Cooper. I thought he was a great guy. He, has, he had a great podcast. Uh, he slammed another podcaster out there as being a provocateur. And right after that, William Cooper died. And the other podcaster is one of the biggest podcasters in the world now. And I'm not going to mention any names. But the reality is this. You know, we've got a lot of people out there that are trying to tell the truth about what's happening in the United States and trying to tell the truth about what's happening globally, you know, on shows like the Ted and Austin Brower show. And that's why we want to thank you guys for your continued support, because if you guys were not here telling us, telling your friends about what we do here and how we basically try to tell the truth, um, you know, we couldn't be here doing this stuff. By the way, thousands of protesters blocked the entrance of Dodger Stadium as the team honors a group of godless and Christ-mocking queer and trans nuns in front of a near-empty stand for Pride Night. I want to really congratulate the fact that there were thousands who stood against these people and tried to block this entrance to the stadiums. The protesters gathered several hours before the first pitch was thrown on Pride Night on Friday. Catholics for Catholics, way to go Catholics on this. Protested the Dodgers' decisions to recognize the charity group Sisters Perpetual Indulgence. 
The group described themselves, the group described them as godless and Christ mocking ahead of plans for them to receive the community hero award during a pregame ceremony. Unbelievable. They're going to get the, they're going to get the, 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 the Los Angeles doctors baseball, baseball. I'm, I got, I'm just, I'm going to say something I should not say. That's why I stopped the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team is facing a Bud Light style boycott. After inviting a controversial LGBT crew group drag queen nuns for the Pride Night ceremony and raging the Catholic community, sparking protests on Friday, the group basically received a reward. The ceremony to award the Community Hero Award to the nuns was held before they weren't nuns. They were pretending to be nuns. It nauseates me. An almost empty stadium ahead of the game. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say about any of this filth, but it's not getting any better. It's getting much, much, much worse. And we've got to realize what's going on with all of this stuff. By the way, it was a it was another article, and uh, this is a this is a pretty good one too. It's about how why JFK was deemed a threat to national national security, and it said that you know President Kennedy's speech at the South American University is not difficult to see why the U.S. national security establishment deemed Kennedy, you know Kennedy, and I covered part of this last week. Kennedy really came after the CIA because of what was going on with Southeast Asia and the running of drugs, and what the CIA was doing running black ops. Through you know Operation Paperclip, they, well, they were doing running black ops through Operation Condor and, and Operation Gladio, and he wanted it all stopped. And you know he also wanted to have real money put back into place, and he wanted full disclosure of what was going on with Roswell. So uh, you know Kennedy was a good man, and to me he still remains as the primary person that I like as far as the president of the United States. That really really is really important because if we had had Kennedy if he had stayed in office, the federal government would not be continuing to buy stockpiles of citizens' personal data. Wow. You may recall quaint times from the past when if law enforcement took an interest in you and they wanted to investigate you, they would need to establish a probable cause, obtain a warrant, and then approach the holders of various bits of personal information and request it. Good times, my friend, good times. But according to a recently classified, declassified report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, that ship has long since sailed. Various elements of the intelligence community have been vacuuming up virtually every bit of data they please about anyone. And they're not even doing it discriminately they collect information on virtually everyone including people who have never been on their radar or even suspected of committing a crime and how they are managed in all of this there's buying it in bulk from data brokers and saving it to a sort through later if you happen to pop up as a person of interest wow now also and i've talked about this and that's why it's so important that you don't give out personal information to people that are fishing online and a lot of them can be legitimate companies they can be legitimate, and they're asking you for personal information, and then they turn right back around, and they sell that personal information. Never fill out financial reports with anybody online as far as giving them your income or what kind of cars you drive or what kind of cars you like or any personal profile stuff because all that stuff gets sold over and over and over, and they make literally hundreds of billions of dollars a year in selling that information on people that is private. And guys, that's not okay. That's really, 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 really bad, and we need to be aware of the fact that this is not getting any better. It's getting much, much, much worse. By the way, uh, Austin talked about this earlier, about the selling of body parts, and this is a weird one. Uh, this is from Daily Mail. Uh, There's a guy who tipped off the cops that a heavily tattooed suspect was working with Harvard morgue manager to steal and sell body parts, and he, as he merged, he bragged about this thing in an interview. Uh, this is just some sick stuff. Uh, human body parts basically have a lot of value to them, and people don't understand that, that, ex- that, that the bodies, when they're donated to the science, a lot of times they're cut up and sold off. 
And so we need to understand that. Uh, tip from a, this guy was suspected of buying human body parts online, led to the arrest of a Harvard University morgue manager, an Arkansas funeral home employee accused of stealing human remains and turn them into profit. Jeremy Pauly was a member of a Facebook group dedicated to buying, selling, and trading oddities, which run the gamut from antique toys to witchcraft supplies. And now it's been revealed an anonymous tip from someone who was no longer dating gave investigators the key to the case, according to the Cumberland County District Attorney Sean McCormick. And I'm not going to read more of this. It gets really perverted. But the thing about this is that, you know, be really, really careful, you know, what you do and what you see online, what you get involved in. There's some really, really sick stuff out there that nobody needs to even know about or be involved in. And um, just just watch your kids, too. Don't let them get involved in this weird stuff, too. What do you think, Austin? What's your next story? Absolutely. You've got to protect the kids at all costs. And I mean, that I can't reiterate that anymore. It's getting weirder and weirder out there. Social media is becoming more and more perverse. More and more children are going missing. As I told you guys before, it's irritating to me that, you know, Cincinnati, over 27 kids went missing in that two-week period, made hardly any news headlines at all. But yet the media wants to constantly cover bumbling buffoon and his absolutely moronic statements with gay pride, all the other stupid stuff. Like the other day, he came out of comedy and said, "Well, there's only there's America right now. You can get married if you're gay, but you can be thrown out of a restaurant the same day later for being gay." I'm just just make stupid statements all the time to constantly cause more division and strife. While we're having a serious problem throughout the entire country right now with what's happening with children and being directly targeted. I told you guys about all the stuff that came up now. That got reported with Instagram and Meta and all the stuff with the background where they're doing this whole this whole pedophile ring in the background. It's openly happening. But yet parents hand their kids a phone, you know, at five, six, seven years old and go, Hey kids, it's been fun knowing you. Have fun now. I saw a, it was a, it was almost like a joke, but it was a reality meme the other day and it showed that. It was a cartoon and it showed parents and their their little son Timmy was sitting on the couch. And they said, all right, Timmy, you know, it's been fun raising you for the last 10 years. We've really enjoyed it. Here's your first phone now. We hope to see you soon. And then, like, the next scene it went over with, and the parents are at the table, and he's sitting at the table, and he's grown up and older now, ignoring them, not even talking to them. And I thought, how sad is that, though? That, I mean, that's pretty much what you see happen now. Parents are knowingly and actively handing their children something that they know for a very fact is going to be grossly detrimental to their upbringing, their mindset, their entire life. But yeah, parents do it because, hey, man, I, I, I need a phone. My, my friends at school got an iPhone 36, the newest, latest, and greatest with 19 cameras on it. I need to have that one. That's what I want. How about you don't need a phone? You're eight years old. Why, why do you need a phone for? What possibly do you need a phone for at eight years old? And the answer is you don't. But again, this is what society has been pushing and pushing and pushing and getting these kids to have these things so they can be the next cool item they have when in reality they're giant killbots for the brain. It's what they are. I mean it just melts their brain. I saw another study again the other day, and it said the earlier children get the phones, the higher rate they have of depression, of suicide, of all types of psychological disorders now they're starting to find. The earlier they get it, the higher the percentage goes. It's directly correlated now. So – Use wisdom, my friends. Protect your children at all costs. Now, there's something that I wanted to bring up because I saw a article somebody sent me, okay? And then I started looking at what was going on with the um, 
with what's been going on with the, the smart cities and what's been going on with Canada and all this other stuff as far as with these wildfires. Now, what's interesting about this is – so follow me for a second. These wildfires in Canada – I'm going to roll into those in a second. But you guys recall back in 2018 when there were wildfires in Australia, right, especially in the south, southern part of Australia, and they were horrific wildfires. And they were showing that basically there are photos online every day. There are koala bears that are being stranded in fern, you know, fiery furnaces area and all kinds of animals that are dying. And they're talking about it in the news 24-7. You guys recall that. It was 2018. And it was horrible. It really was. Bad wildfires. And everybody kind of said, you know, what's going on with this? Why are these all being done in this one area? Well, then what was interesting about it enough, at the same exact time, there had been the Clara plan that had been put into place. The Clara plan was a like a hundred plus billion dollar plan to build up to eight of the world's most advanced, sustainable, smart greenfield cities and connect them with a world class high speed rail system between Sydney and Melbourne via Canberra. This is on, you can read this online. It's all about this entire Clara plan that they've been implementing now over the last five to six years. And it was interesting. The Clara plan got originally approved. In 2015, it started to go into effect in 2016. The wildfire started in 2018. And imagine what they did in 2019. All those properties, all those vast amounts of land, all those houses, all those places that got burned down, the government was able to come in and buy them up for pennies on the dollar because they were essentially wastelands at that point and brought them into the Clara plan to create a vision for the world's most livable cities. Clara cities will be compact, innovative, and have minimal environmental impact. The conjunction proposes to build a high-speed rail network between Sydney and Melbourne via Canberra connecting the proposed inland cities. This will include the construction of stations in each of the eight new cities as high-speed platforms being developed by Melbourne City and Canberra. Within the Clara plan, there are two viable corridor options will be the first stage, and it goes into detail about what they're doing with these massive build of smart cities. Now, isn't it ironic now that Canada's fires are getting fiercer and fiercer, and yet nobody can possibly seem to figure out how these things keep starting? And now I'm watching constantly now where I'm seeing these videos of these subdivisions in these areas where houses are just literally burnt down to ash. Concrete block no longer even stands. Everything just burnt down to ash, kind of like we saw the same way in California where they did the exact same thing in some of those areas where they had proposed a high-speed railway. And all those houses burned down over there. Now we're seeing the exact same thing in Canada. Now, whether or not whatever your opinion is on how this stuff has started in Canada, there's been a lot of them. And it's not stopping. And it's getting worse. But I find it very interesting. You need Anybody that's up in that area, I'd be curious to know just from a journalistic standpoint and looking at information, if there are any plans that have been proposed that are being brought up now to start building smart cities in these areas across Canada, especially in these areas that were already highly populated, that essentially are now going to be desolate. I mean, I saw, I saw photos of it here, and you can see, I mean, it's just, there's nothing left. I mean, a lot of the areas, all the houses, everything's gone, burned down to ash, rubble, nothing. And so a lot of these houses are going to be bought out by insurance. They're going to be essentially totaled. And so a lot of these people are just going to essentially go, okay, you know, this property is unlivable now. Go ahead and cut me my check. I'm going to go buy a new house, and um, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to move somewhere else. And how much you want to bet there's some type of plan to have sustainable, smart cities being brought into these areas. Canada, just my opinion, just like they did in Australia because it's crazy. If you look at the map 
I'll put the link for the clear plan on the map where they have the high-speed rail and the whole thing in the bottom eastern part of uh, Australia. It's right where all those wildfires were starting going horrific when they started going north and started driving people out into those areas. Just thought I would throw that out there because that's something, you know, <laughs> obviously something's going on that's very strange about that. And when you start looking and seeing more research about weather warfare and what they're involved in, just like I was talking about earlier with the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory in Australia – or not in Australia, Antarctica – and you start looking at all this stuff. Weather warfare is very real. They've been doing some strange stuff down here in Florida. I mean strange stuff. We've been having some of this bizarre weather. June, historically, in Florida, is always a rainy month. But it pretty much, you can count your clock. You used to be able to, I should say. You could set your watch pretty much since I can remember being born in Florida. Two, three, four o'clock every single day in June. You'd have a monsoon for about an hour, hour and a half, 30 minutes, somewhere in between. It just be afternoon thunderstorms in Florida, just what it is, what it always has been. Well, suddenly now we're having these really strange weeks where we'll go four and five and six days, no rain, unbelievably hot. And then suddenly we'll have this massive storms for like two or three days. The other night, it was on Saturday night down here in Florida, we had some of the most violent lightning and thunder I had ever witnessed in Florida. Now, Tampa is like the lightning capital of the world half the time. So seeing lightning coming from the coast and everything's not abnormal. But we had lightning and thunder hitting that literally sounded like we had low flyovers from from like jets. It sounded like full-blown sonic boom. I mean, to the whole point, everybody in the area was texting each other going, what in the world's going on with this? Like, we sounds like we're having low flyovers with fighter jets. I mean, shaking the entire property. Didn't make any sense. I've never heard thunder that loud before. And just rapid, because it back to 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 back. If you wouldn't have thought it was a storm going on, you would have thought we were having doggone airstrikes happening. And yet, this is supposed to be just normal weather. Well, then they go, oh, it's, it's the climate change, guys. It's the climate change. You guys aren't driving enough Teslas, enough electric vehicles. This climate change is going to get worse and worse and worse. But when you start doing enough research and start realizing the patents that are currently in place in order to use technology for weather modification, you start finding out very, very quickly that a lot of this stuff is not by chance and it's not by accident. This is why they have to continue to push the narrative of climate change, but then they have to always bring stuff to actually happen so they can justify what they're going to do next. This is why you've been constantly seeing this push now suddenly for climate change and suddenly there's a wildfire and suddenly they're doing this. A lot of these things have happened for many, many years, but now suddenly they're becoming so coincidentally timed, I should say, where every time something happens, they talk about it, they get something to occur that's detrimental and then they can blame it on climate change and because everybody needs to stop driving vehicles and everybody needs to have greenhouses. So. We all need to live in smart homes that can be shut off remotely anytime somebody complains about us from a doorbell ring and electric cars that everybody can get shut down at any point in time if they don't see you fit to be able to drive. Or thermostats, they can stop at 78 degrees because the electric company deems to be a electrical uh, crisis like they did out in Colorado with those guys that had signed up for the thermostat program. They got like $150 rebates and didn't realize the terms and conditions meant the electric company at any time could control your thermostat. I talked to you guys about that last year. These are all things that are slowly putting people into a grid that they don't even realize they're in. So always be be awake. Be aware. Use wisdom for you're putting stuff in your house. Do some research on appliances and stuff to connect to things. And by all means, and I say this repeatedly, at the very least – 
always make sure you're shutting off your internet Wi-Fi at night, especially if you're on an area with a little bit of property. You don't have a bunch of Wi-Fi pollution from other places. When you shut your Wi-Fi off, even if you have something in your house that you don't even know that connects, it ain't connecting to nothing. <laughs> Once the Wi-Fi is off, the Wi-Fi is off. It's not getting any internet, especially if you solar board and all kinds of other stuff in construction like I did where you virtually have no cell service <laughs> or anything else in your house. But you can go outside and make a phone call, which I don't mind doing at all, just for the fact that it protects from a lot of that exposure to stuff that we're constantly getting bombarded with on a regular basis. Just thought I would throw that out there. What do you think, Dad? Uh, you know, Austin's right. What we did on his house when we were building it, we found the, the board that basically had the aluminum backing on it. And also the, uh, the same thing with the, the insulation that had aluminum backing on it from the inside of the walls, on the concrete block walls. So the entire house is wrapped like a Faraday cage. So it's very difficult to get any kind of Wi-Fi signal into the house from another source because that's the biggest problem you run into when you turn off your Wi-Fi at night. You, you, you turn on your computer still, and your Wi-Fi is off, and it's picking up the neighborhood. You know, it may, be, it may not be strong enough to connect to, but you're seeing it all. It's like I can do something in my house here in Auburndale. I, I've got like four or five neighbors that I can pick up their Wi-Fi from my house, and some of these neighbors are 200 feet away. And I'm like, what the heck, man? I'm, I'm picking up their Wi-Fi service. And that's because people simply don't turn it off. Same thing with smart meters. It's really important if, if you have a smart meter in your home, if any way possible, call your contact, contact your, your utility company and tell them you do not want a smart meter left on your house, period. Don't, you don't want it there. Very, very, very important. And to turn off, the, like also says, unplug the Wi-Fi router at night to allow yourself to sleep a lot better. Because remember, the pineal gland, and I mentioned this before, it produces melatonin. And that melatonin is what puts you into a deep sleep cycle, allows you to have REM sleep, et cetera, et cetera, allows you to dream all the rest of it. And the pineal gland, if it's in the presence of a lot of light, it doesn't feel as though that it's dark enough to produce melatonin. So it messes up the sleep cycle. In addition to that, the pineal gland sees Wi-Fi energy as basically um, light. And so what it does, it won't produce melatonin in high concentrations of Wi-Fi. It won't do it. So you sit there all bouncing around all night, unable to sleep, and you're like, what the heck? That's why I take a melatonin supplement every single night anyhow because it's one of the strongest antioxidants you can get. Plus, over the age of 40, you massively start to decrease your melatonin in your body. And so if you want to get a good night's sleep, you got to take melatonin. Sometimes I just – sometimes I, ours is a 3-milligram tablet, very highly highly bioavailable product that we manufacture. And usually that's enough for me to take one of those a night. Sometimes I'll take a little bit more, but the reality is, I mean, I always try to do that. Like if I'm on with Jeff Rents one night or I have a purple stick, you know, before I go on with Jeff at 7 o'clock, I may have two melatonins before I go to bed because it may have, may have to calm myself down from the caffeine, from the green tea that's in the purple stick. So all these things, think through before you do them. But now with coffee, it's different. Now with, with caffeine, with coffee, with the, if I have coffee in the morning, which I haven't had in a long, long time, uh, that, mel- that melatonin doesn't help a whole lot. Because that that caffeine that from that coffee from that coffee bean elevates that cortisol so high in my body that I have a real hard time with sleep patterns at night. Where the purple sticks don't do that, the green tea doesn't do that whatsoever. Uh, by by the way, uh, DeSantis, this is this is a really good article that he did, and I, I like this quite frankly. He goes, DeSantis is now appealing to voters in Nevada speech. We need to restore sanity. I like that. Republican presidential candidate and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis called for return to sanity in America once again, taking aim at woke ideology during a campaign stop in Nevada on Saturday. We need to restore sanity in this country, DeSantis said, according to the Reno Gazette Journal. We need to restore a sense of normalcy to our communities. We need to make sure our institutions have integrity. The Florida governor has stood against 
many, many different com- companies like Disney as far as grooming of children. The forlorn government also criticized the dumpster fire. I like that. The dumpster fire of woke ideology in Democratic-led cities, suggesting that the U.S. is off the rails and insanity is reigning supreme, the Associated Press reported. This country is in decline, he added, according to the Nevada Independent, but I don't think that decline is inevitable. I think it's a choice. It's a choice we as Americans will have to have over these next 18 months. DeSantis paid a visit to the annual Basque Fry event in Garnerville, Nevada on Saturday, hosted by former Nevada State Senate Adam Lassix. Lassix, a longtime friend and former roommate of DeSantis, is now serving as the chair of the pro-DeSantis super PAC, Never Back Down. The Florida governor is so far the only Republican candidate in an increasingly crowded field to make a dent against former President Trump on the national polls. However, he remains significantly behind the former president. A Harvard poll survey found that 59 percent of Republican voters said they would vote for Trump in the GOP primary, while 14 percent said they would vote and back for DeSantis. And, and, you know, the sad part about this is, is that, you know, we can keep talking about that. We keep making decisions on that. But, you know, a new study just came out and said that the, the election machines basically have problems with being hacked, but that's not going to be fixed until after the 2024 election. So if we have a situation in which we can't fix the election machines until after the 2024 election, uh, what are we doing? I mean, why do we think this is going to make any difference whatsoever on who we vote for if we have a potential of hacking the election machines in another election? That's one of the things I really liked about DeSantis, too, because DeSantis said that basically we were in a situation here in Florida that we had to clean up our elections, and we did. And so you know, the, the article here is pretty, pretty important, and I want to cover this. It says, remember when we were assured Dominion voting machines had no vulnerabilities? Now unsealed court documents reveal they do, and there's no correction until after the 2024 election. Well, what are we supposed to do before that? If, we, if we, that's the next election, I mean, how are we supposed to fix this stuff if we can't fix this hacking problem that we've got? And, and, you know, and, you know, and, it, and it's sad because you know, even our fact checkers now, you know, the, the policy is, has been institutionalized. The violation of the First Amendment is now the official policy of the institutionalized fact checkers. Disgraced, disgraced Twitter exec who censored Hunter Biden's laptop story is now to deliver a keynote speech as a fact-checking summit. You know, fact-checkers are people in most cases that suppress truth. It's what they do. Yoel Roth, the disgraced former head of trust and safety at Twitter, who infamously played a key role in censoring Hunter Biden's laptop from hell, which helped bring Joe Biden over the finish line during the 2020 presidential election, has been selected to a keynote speaker for the International Fact-Checking Conference put on by the Pointer Institute. The organization has a strong focus on what it calls misinformation and it, it, it is the owner of Apolitifact, a leftist fact-checking website that claims to be a nonpartisan despite its blatantly clear bias. One clear example of this was seen last June of last year when the organization falsely claimed that it was misinformation and not accurate to suggest that red flag gun laws lack due process. A website for the summit notes that the mission involves addressing global misinformation and the global fact 10 intends to mobilize collective power of truth, transparency, and accountability as a counteroffensive to such a thing. It also boasts its global network of fact-checking operations from 65 countries. As was noted by the Federalist, Roth played a large role in helping Twitter collude with the FBI to silence numerous Americans prior to the company's acquisition by Elon Musk. This effectively allowed the federal agency to subvert its obligation to the First Amendment as it was now blaming the censorship of supposedly a private firm 
the former Twitter exec was seen one time expressing that he wished he had gone further with Internet censorship, even suggesting during a public congressional hearing that she had banned, he should have banned the popular social media accounts of libs on TikTok, which is known for reposting videos that were originally shared by leftists while all adding no commentary of its own. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go any more reading on this because it's, it's, I, don't, I don't read any more of it. But the reality is, is that, you know, we've got a group of people out there that are lying about everything. <laughs> and they're called fact checkers. And these fact checkers want you to believe that everything they say is true. And they give you unbelievably biased accounts on everything. And they won't come back and look at the truth. You know, the, the shocking truth about liberals. It was a book that was written by Neil Bortz years ago. Great book. And, and it's the truth. You try to talk to them about what's going on in their democratic cities and what happens when they allow criminals to run free. They don't want to believe you, and they tell you that you're being biased and that you're being you know, a racist, and you're being truthful about it. It's sad to me. It really is. By the way, I hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I love you guys so very much, and I appreciate you. God bless you guys. Remember, God is good. He's still on the throne, and prayer still changes things. Austin, finish it up, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Yes, you're 100% accurate about that. And, you know, as a lot of these things continue to occur, like we talked about on Friday, so I've continued to try and encourage people the best I can and tell people, you know, listen, this is this is what I have found to work with certain things. This is what I know works well with this. And as we get older and as we continue to get more information out there and you do more research, you start realizing that, you know, one of the most effective things you can do in society or around friends and family is really encourage one another and really show them like, Hey, this is something that I think works. Try it. Not, no, you know, but there's a lot of things that you can do because so much out there now is constant misinformation and lies. And if you know, something is to be truthful. If you know, something is to be factual. If you know, you've researched and you know, it works, then it's kind of your responsibility to share the truth. Right. I mean, we've seen this like that was talking about with the fact checkers. I mean, it's, it's become just a walking joke the problem with it is, though, guys, if you're not listening to our show or either show other shows that are really awake and aware of what's actually happening, a lot of people take the fact-checking completely seriously. They'll see it, like, oh, it's been fact-checked. Oh, it's, it's – well, okay, we know it's good news then. And then other stuff comes up, and they'll say, fact-checkers have found this to be partially false. And then you go back, and they find some weird, obscure thing that they talked about, like with the whole thing. The fact-checker said that it's true. They fact-checked Biden's statement about gays getting kicked out of restaurants. I kid you not. I saw it or just a minute ago on Breitbart. And what they did was the fact-checkers tried to get some article from Florida down here a year and a half ago at a country bar why a grown man, grown man was dressed like a woman. He looked like a grown man, talked like a grown man. You watched the video of him. Tried to go into the woman's bathroom at a country bar. And basically one of the bouncers stopped him and was like, dude, that's the woman's bathroom. You can't be going in there harassing them. He's like, oh, I, I'm a woman. And the bouncer's like, dude, you're obviously not a woman. Like, that's clear. You've you got an Adam's apple the size of your knuckle. You're not a woman. You're a grown man. I'm looking at you. And the guy goes, oh, no, I, I am. I identify as a woman. They had this big spat about it, and they end up telling the guy basically he had to leave. And so then there's a big go, oh, he's been kicked out because he's a tranny. No, he wasn't. He's a grown man that has gender dysphoria disorder going into a woman's bathroom inebriated at a bar at night. There's no reason for anybody to even question the legitimacy of asking a grown man not to do that. It's just normal behavior in a civilized society. Hey, dude, you don't need to be going in the women's bathroom while you're drunk at a bar. You really need to actually behave in a respectful manner. You need to leave. But yet this is what they've been doing now. If you say the lie long enough, if you make the lie big enough, eventually everybody will start to believe the lie. 
Now was a loose quote from Joseph Goebbels, the godfather of propaganda from Nazi Germany. If you keep saying it long enough and you keep saying it over and over and over and over again, it doesn't matter anymore if it's a lie because people will eventually start believing it generation after generation. The same people that told us science, it was all about science to lock down and not go outside and wear three masks on your face and get experimental shot. You have to trust the science. The very same people that said that are the very ones now that are saying, well, men can menstruate and men can have children now. It's science. You can't make this up. <laughs> so, again, that's why it is so important more now than ever that Americans continue to really do your own research and get your information and facts from real true fact checkers, I guess you could say, and not this nonsense that they're constantly putting out there and try to put it out there as, well, this is the truth and this is what we've deemed to be factual. When you start having the very people that told us lockdowns were science and vaccines that our RNA gene therapy were science and three masks were science, now telling us that grown men can have babies is science, they've lost any and all credibility to me and anyone else that has half a brain, just being honest with you with that. So keep the truth up, my friends. Keep your bodies healthy and strong. Continue to keep your energy and mind up to par so you can continue to get this truth out there. The B-Complex on sale for product of the week, one of the best formulas we have for neurological health, brain health, Overall energy and focus, B vitamins are water-soluble. That's why it's so important to keep them in your system on a regular basis. So be sure to check that out on the website, healthmasters.com. 10% off discount right now for product of the week. And also vote for what you want to see win tomorrow or on Wednesday, healthmasters.com. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.